Welcome to Kev and Kev Talking Sports. I'm Kev. And I'm Kev. And it's Super Bowl week, my man. Yeehaw, yeehaw. How you feeling? Oh, it's exciting. I, I always love Super Bowl week. Absolutely. Well, and it's exciting for Kevin Kev Talking Sports. We've got a big week of special events planned, several episodes. We already posted a re reaction episode to the championship weekend game. So if you haven't listened to that one, go check it out and get ready for a, a number of other episodes. What do we got coming up this week, Kev? Well, I mean, we're, I think the exciting part of it is we're going to add some guests to the lineup. And that's going to open the door to you know a lot more future events like that. But uh, this week we're going to have two and we're going to start off this episode with a, a longtime friend of yours. Tell us a little bit about him. Absolutely. Well, so our first guest ever on Kevin Kev Talking Sports, we're really excited about this one. Longtime friend of mine, Bill from Turtle Creek, Pennsylvania. And we're particularly excited to have Bill on the program because he is an expert in the realm of sports wagering. And we have said several different times, it's exciting to have somebody who actually knows what they're talking about coming on the program. And uh, I hope and expect that you all will enjoy this and get some uh, some truly insightful commentary from our man, Bill. So this is our first of what we hope will be many guests to come. We've already got another guest planned for later on in this week. But for now, enjoy this episode with Bill from Turtle Creek. Welcome to Kev and Kev Talking Sports. I am Kev. And I'm Kev. And I'm Bill. What, what? the hell? <laughs> Who's Bill? So my name is Bill. I'm from Pittsburgh, born and raised, still live in Pittsburgh, a little town called Turtle Creek, Pennsylvania. Um, been a Steeler fan most of my life, but my interest in sports started in the early 80s due to one player in college, well, in college in the late 70s, Billy Sims, running back from Oklahoma, absolutely loved him. Then he ended up on the Detroit Lions, so I was a huge Detroit Lions fan throughout the 80s. And as a matter of fact, I made a lot of money off of my sixth, seventh, eighth grade bus mates when uh, Detroit beat the Steelers 45 to three on Thanksgiving Day in the 80s with Billy Sims. Oh, I remember uh, that game. Yeah, they absolutely destroyed us. And uh, I enjoyed it. Most of the people I was with did not enjoy it at the time. So and then as time goes on, when you're younger, you have an affinity for teams that aren't your home team, your hometown team. But now I'm pretty much just a Pittsburgh Steelers, Pittsburgh Pirates, Pittsburgh Penguins fan. As a matter right. of fact, that served you pretty well over the years, I guess. Steelers, oh, yeah. especially. Great, what a great town to uh, watch sports in. A phenomenal town. Well, Billy, it is a, a privilege to have you on Kevin Kev Talking Sports. This is a historic moment for us. You are our very first guest. And I will just say as an aside that for uh, a person who is knowledgeable in the realm of not just sports broadly, but the trends, uh, betting patterns, managing your money, there is no person that I would want to talk to more than mm -hmm. you, Billy. This is your realm of expertise. 
And you can elaborate as little or as much as you want to um, for our legion of listeners, you know, your kind of experiences and background. But um, I'm just thrilled to have somebody on this program who actually knows what they're talking about when it comes to betting on sports. Hey, what is that supposed to mean? <laughs> hey, we, we think we know what we're talking about. Billy really does know what he's talking about. So what I mean, what would you say about that, Bill? You know, you, let's just say you're not new to this uh, to this game. Well, I've been doing it for 30 years, gambling on sports, that is. Uh, there, it was a long, hard road. I definitely, the school of hard knocks is how I would describe my gambling experiences throughout the years. I took a lot of beatings, bad money management, which is crucial. The only thing more crucial than money management is discipline, and I think they kind of go hand in hand. I had none of that. I had none of the playbook that I built over the years. And I was talking to you, Kev, earlier about this. It's almost like Rounders, which I think is a movie everyone's familiar with, or at least mm -hmm. you know, probably has seen it. Yeah. Um, Joey Kanish talking about, I was giving you a playbook off of my own beats. And I've had several people do that, plus my own beats. And over the last probably six or seven years, I've won over the last seven years, I've probably won six of them and four or five times I've won five figures in those years. So I've wow. had a very successful recent gambling history um, in the playoffs right now. I'm only two and two plus 0.3 units. I rank my uh, games 3% of my bankroll, 4% or 5%. There have only been three 5% games all year. The one in the playoffs was the Rams plus three versus the Buccaneers. So my heart was in my throat at the end of that game. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I should have won by four touchdowns. And we were looking at overtime before Cooper Cup broke 60 yards downfield wide open somehow. But it, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. And it's something that I do feel because of my experiences, my mathematical knowledge, which I think both of you guys share with me, and um, it, just the people I've met over the years who've taught me things about gambling on sports, invaluable lessons that I am very qualified to talk about it. Mm -hmm. Well, we can get into some of that. Let, let's, uh, and obviously we're going to work towards the Super Bowl, right? I mean, that's the focal point of kind of what everybody wants to hear about right now and what we're going to talk about. But why don't we start just with some reflections on the playoffs in general? I mean, one of the things that Kevin and I have talked about is how close almost all of these games seem to be. And certainly since the divisional round and then last week, I mean, every game ends on a field goal, it seems. And so whichever team you have chosen to wager on, you're in it right down to the wire. And it's like, whether you win or lose just seems to come down to a field goal. So you have just kind of broad thoughts about the playoffs and, and how people might use these, you know, 10 or 12 games to think more broadly about the process of, of wagering. Well, I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think one of the few blowouts was when Kansas City de defeated the Steelers in, the, in these playoffs. In the history of the Super Bowl, in the recent history of the Super Bowl, teams underdog three or more, or more than three points, or 6-0 and oh against the spread the last six. So definitely the value a lot of times is in the underdog gambling in general. I mean, you always want to look – to bet the underdogs, but, and, and that usually would be a good starting point for you. However, um, 
sometimes it doesn't work out that way as it did in the Steeler game. But a lot of these playoff games, I mean, there's been, what would you say, 12 games in yeah. the playoffs? Yeah. So I had four <clears throat> bets and I had one favorite, which was Kansas City over Buffalo, which thank God I was passed out during that game and didn't have to watch it. So I won that one. I had two underdogs, the Rams, as I had mentioned. I had the Raiders plus six against the Bengals. That was a loser, but Derek Carr drove them inside the 10 twice at the end of that game yeah, right. in the end zone. And then I had under in the Pittsburgh, Kansas City game, which I had lost. But I had taken two, do two dogs and one favorite so far. And that's kind of, in general, the ratio I like to go with. I like to look for underdogs for the most part. What, let me ask you real quick, Bill. Uh, so when you're betting dogs, let's say, well, do you prefer to take the points or bet the money line? You know, especially when it's close, like one, two or three points. I would say most of the time, almost all the time, I'll take the points. Look how close a lot of these games have been. Getting a field goal is a huge advantage. Yeah. Now, like you said, if it's one or two, you might want to take the money line. Um, usually a, a team favored by three, the money line is going to be somewhere like minus 170 plus 150 on the dog. So there was a weird anomaly in the college national championship this year where Georgia was favored by three in the game, but on the money line, they were only minus 140 because yeah. so many people were taking Alabama on the money line. So in that case, I would say, yeah, you want to look at the money line, but for the most part, I'm going to look to take every point I can get. Understood. And I'll tell you, that came in handy for me last week with San Francisco. Yes. you got to uh, I thought they were going to win for sure, but I said, well, you know, three and a half, that's pretty nice. So, you know, take the three and a half and that worked out. Yeah. And it never, it, I don't think you were really, I don't want to say ever in doubt. I think the Rams actually s partly dominated that game but some mistakes cost them. But at the end of the game, you were, you were in the driver's seat pretty much the whole game with three and a half. Felt good until Jimmy G started doing, you know, circular, circular whirly birds <laughs> in the back and throwing the ball around <laughs> to whoever was nearest. Yeah. That and, usually doesn't work out for anyone, but Mahomes. I, I complain about coaching all the time. The Rams uh, NFC championship game versus San Francisco. But one of the things that worries me about the Super Bowl is I've watched Sean McVay be called an offensive genius for I don't know how many years. He looked utterly unprepared. Now, granted, you go back and he had Jared Goff as his quarterback when they lost 13 to three to New England. Mm -hmm. And then this week, he the two challenges, especially the first one, I, I'm assuming he didn't have the right angle on the second one on the fumble. But the first one where Stafford did the quarterback sneak, mm -hmm. I mean, anyone who looked at that saw it said he, he didn't get yeah. it. I mean, well, and but all forward. Well, Billy, let me ask you a little something different because one of our most confident predictions in the mm -hmm. history of Kevin Kev talking sports came in the divisional round when uh, I talked endlessly. I talked for two weeks about the number one seeds in the divisional round. This is the yeah. best bet of the season in football. Those home teams on a bye, you know, they're playing a lesser team. They're at home. They're rested. And historically, you go back to the early 90s when they changed the playoff format. That is one of the, the strongest plays in the game. So I urged all of our listeners to go wager their life savings on Tennessee and Green Bay, <laughs> and they both lost. So, Billy, pull me off the ledge here. First, you know, reassure me that I wasn't totally misguided there. But 
But I mean, what the hell happens in a situation like that? You know, it, it make me feel better about uh, about my thoughts there. So a couple of things. First off, I'm not here to make you feel better. No, oh, come <laughs> on, man. What are you here for? Click none, the button. Dude, none of those guys <laughs> that you urge to bet their life savings have your address or anything like that, right? Oh, no. You're no, okay. no, no. They don't even have my real name. Well, not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> <laughs> right. So there's a buddy of mine around here. We talk sports all the time, and he, he's in the same boat with you. He always says in the divisional round, there is at least one huge mismatch mm-hmm. that gets exploited. Now, this year it did not happen. Although, and we'll talk about this more when we get into the Super Bowl itself, I think Joe Burrow, first quarterback ever to be sacked eight or more times in a game and win the game in the playoffs. Tennessee, to me, was the better team if they would have just stuck to the run. They just, Mm -hmm. I mean, they run the ball all the way down the field. A lot of teams do this, and we'll talk about this with Kansas City versus Cincinnati as well, where Mahomes at second and one, there's two minutes in the third quarter, the clock is running, they're winning 21-13, and he throws an interception to a defensive lineman. They're letting get eight or nine yards at a clip, running the ball or throwing quick, short passes. It's just some of these teams can't stand the prosperity of that, especially Mm -hmm. a team as explosive as KC. Now, back to what you're talking about here with the divisional, I think in general, and again, when you're gambling, nothing is 100% foolproof. And you always say to yourself, when I analyze a game, I say, I see this game going this way seven out of 10 times. And there are these three ways that it will go the opposite of what I'm thinking. Mm. If this happens, if this happens, or if that happens. So you're, I think in general, you're on the right path. I don't know if the change in format, now that the two seed doesn't get the buy, Will they become less of a play in the divisional round? But I would say, Kevin, in general, that one seed is something to look at if the if the playoffs continue in the format they are, which I believe they mm-hmm. should add an eighth team and just do an eight-team uh, tournament for each, each conference. But if they stay the way they are, that one seed should have a huge advantage coming well, in the divisional let me, round. This is some, can I, can some, I ask a follow-up, Kevin, then you can jump in real quick? Yeah, go ahead. The, um, So in a situation like that, Billy, like how much of your own kind of intuition and even analysis and breaking down the game, like how much do you just push that aside and say, look, I've got a trend here that historically is, you know, 70%. I'm just going to bet it and just detach because part of the problem I feel like I have had making picks and, you know, Kev to some extent has struggled here and there is like, you analyze it a certain, you think it's going to go a certain way, but then your intuition, your gut, oh, I got a feeling, you know, is, oh, I like this team. I like this player. And next thing you know, you, you make the wrong pick. Well, I'll be honest with you. During the regular season, I follow the trends completely without fail faithfully. So for instance, one of the biggest things I bet all the time are home underdogs of double digits. Those are very hard to bet because if you're at home and you're getting 10 or more points in the NFL, you know you're a terrible team. Mm-hmm. I believe this year they went eight and six, which is a, a pretty bad year for them. Over the last eight years, now this isn't going to be an exact record, but they're somewhere around 30 and 14. And one year they went 10 and 0 for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but nice. they're hard to bet. And if you are a guy looking to risk your money, then you say, all right. And one of them, Kev H, was Jacksonville this year. They upset Buffalo. 
I was there. That was great. Nine to six, getting off what was a 14 or something like that. And I 16, had 16 yeah, points. Crazy like that. Yeah. And um, so that's one thing. And during the regular season, a lot of those trends play out. And I will bet them religiously. Monday night home dogs this year were six and one. So that was a very profitable trend. Um, but in the playoffs, it's more you're on your own. There's not as many mm-hmm. trends in the playoffs. Like you said, the one or two seed, the teams that get the bye, you're always going to look and maybe see a, a mismatch that's out there that you think is going to be a blowout. However, in the playoffs, it's more like me looking at the games. Like I looked at that Rams-Tampa game, and you might say, well, why, was the, why were the Rams your 5% play of the playoffs? was because Tampa Bay was hurt mm-hmm. badly. They were missing 49% of their offense the week before. They got Fournette back, but they had lost Werfs, who was arguably their best offensive lineman, and their center was dinged up. And I looked at that matchup against L.A.'s defensive line, and it, I said, Brady's not going to have time to throw the ball. So that's going to be a tough situation for him. Now, that worked out perfectly for me. It went almost exactly like I thought. That would have been better if it was 30 to three instead of 30 to 27. But then there's times I'll do that. And I think I have everything exactly figured out how I think it's going to happen. And it goes completely the other way. So it's hard to say. Well, I mean, we talked about this a little bit on one of our other episodes. The two seeds, of course, for the last two years have had to play where the one seeds didn't in the first round. And they're 4-0. They haven't missed. They haven't lost yet. So and they're actually better record now in the second round because of the first seeds both losing this year. So the question is, is it actually more helpful to play a Patsy in the first round rather than have the bye? Because those Packers and Titans both looked very rusty. That Well, that's a that's the big uh, conundrum for, mm-hmm. you know, as long as I've been watching football, do you rest your starters? You know, yeah. people say, oh, well, we rest our starters for the last week or two if we have the division wrapped up. And then you go into the game and like you said, they're rusty. Other times it, it doesn't matter. I think in the Titans game, I don't think they were rust. I think Derrick Henry was rusty from yeah. being hurt. He wasn't his normal yeah. self, but I yeah. thought Dante Foreman looked incredible. I, I don't, I just don't understand. Like I think Vrabel's a great coach. And Me when too. Was... it's working for you, like they were running the football. The one drive boggled my mind. They ran the ball all the way down to the 10, and then Tannehill steps back and throws the pick. <laughs> Cincinnati returns at 60 yards the other way. And it's like I'm just putting my hands on my head like, what are you doing? Run the football. Yes. Wear this team down. They played. That Take advantage of what you have going for you. You're healthier because you didn't play last week. Yeah. You might be a little bit rusty, but wear them down. Keep their defense on the field and force them like just batter them into submission (laughs) yeah i agree with you a million percent and that's tennessee's game yes they got away from it and they it's because they took a week off i guess you know they just didn't look Vrabel disappointed me so much in that game got away from their identity i don't know why hey listen let me interrupt our proceedings here for a second because we have a tradition on uh, kevin kev of trivia questions oh yeah we've made it a good ways in here without throwing out any questions so i think what we might do is you know ask a couple and then come back and answer them a little bit later but don't why don't we just answer it in live time you want to do it that way yeah Yeah, that's good all right let's see which which of you two uh (laughs) you two guys can get this one right so this again pretty straightforward question here 
Name the quarterback or quarterbacks who threw the most interceptions this season. Interesting. This season? Yeah. Oh, Stafford. I, I bet Stafford's one of them. And I'm thinking regular season, although, you know, we can talk playoffs as well, but regular season, most mm -hmm. INTs. You said Stafford, Kev? Yeah, I'm thinking Stafford. He, I know he's double digits. He might have like 15. I'll go with, wow, there are a lot of young quarterbacks in the NFL right now. There are a ton of them. Well, I, I think Trevor Lawrence had the most for rookies, but I don't think he got over 12 or 13 maybe. But yeah. Oh. I'm going to go with uh, I'll go with a guy who throws a lot and who's been around a while. How about Matt Ryan? Oh, that's that's a decent pick too. All right, we we've got some good guesses here. I'm going to I got to give the nod to Kev on on this one, Billy. Um that's fine. So, you know, I I had a little bit of a Super Bowl theme in mind here. Matthew Stafford. Wow. Through the most interceptions, uh 17 in the regular oh, season. Oh, wow. 17. He's on 18 now. Trevor Lawrence also <laughs> through 17. Oh, we had that many, huh? Yeah, so those were both right. So I'll just I'll I'll throw out the next couple just for context. Taylor Heineke, fifteen. Mm. Josh Allen, fifteen. Justin Herbert, fifteen. Mm. Our man Tannehill, fourteen. David Carr, fourteen, and Joe Burrow, fourteen. But if you if you save up Jameis Winston from a couple of years ago, he's still got like an average of sixteen oh. a year. So he could yeah, be he blows there. those guys out of the water. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, listen, so what I was going for there, Billy, you're exactly right. I mean, a lot of young quarterbacks out there, these gunslingers all seem to throw. That's not necessarily a, a lot of interceptions, but you're talking one a game. And then our Super Bowl matchup, I mean, these guys might just throw an interception or two. Oh, you know? I fully expect it, yes. Mm -hmm. Which gets into prop bets. I mean, right there, you're, you mm -hmm. can, if that's something you're feeling with Stafford, and Burrow, who were both mm -hmm. in the top, what, six or seven yep. this year in interceptions. I mean, there, there are over-unders on the number of interceptions thrown. Funny story about prop bets. So usually I'll go through before the Super Bowl and I'll go online and bet a bunch of prop bets. And a couple of years ago, when New England played uh, uh, the Rams and beat them 13 to three, there was a prop, will Brady's first pass be intercepted? And it was 200 to win 7,400. And I thought about it. I'm like, no, no way is it going to happen. I didn't bet it. Damned if he didn't throw a pick on his first. Oh, he ran the ball the whole way down the field to the 30. I think they ran for about 40 yards. And then his first pass got deflected and picked off. Oh, man. I know. Well, I got, I got a timely one. If that's a, you mind, Billy, if I go here? Go right ahead. Mine, it's kind of a rinky dink one, but I mean, Speaking of prop bets, I think one of the prop bets that attracts everybody's eye every year is whether or not there's going to be a safety in the Super Bowl, right? Question is, how many safeties have there been in history of the Super Bowl? But the other, the other side question would be, when was the last one? Do you remember who the last safety was? Well, let me, let me start off by saying I know of two safeties right off the top of my head. One was in Super Bowl nine, the Steelers-Vikings game. Yeah, that's Actually, a famous one. Three because Super Bowl 10, the Steelers blocked a punt the Dallas out of the end zone. So that's, and then the, I would say the most recent one was the first play of the game in the Seattle Denver, where they snapped a pass Manning. You got it. The end zone. You got it. So the actual number isn't really that relevant, but I just wanted to know if you guys had a, like a ballpark idea of how many there have been. Let me think for a second. So because, a because the prop, I looked it up. The prop is uh, nine to one, mm -hmm. nine or plus 900 for a, 
for a safety in the Super Bowl. And it's minus fourteen hundred for no safety. So okay. So the true value there would be about um eleven fifty. So they're saying basically one in every eleven and a half games, there's gonna be a safety. So well, that we, that should tell you close, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If that's true and what soup that should be about uh, five of them, right? Oh five no, that no, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's actually a lot more than that. I'm sorry, yeah. Well, Kev, you want to guess? Well, just based on your conversation, I'm going to say like seven. Yeah, it's actually nine, which seems like a high amount. I just thought that was an well, interesting. So one of the things that, that we can talk about a little bit more is that, you know, weird things do seem to happen in Super Bowls. So these unusual things like safeties or, you know, a blocked kick or something like that, where they're fairly rare you know, in the course of a regular season, I mean, it's such a small sample size, you know, these kind of weird things happen. And I can tell you, I mean, Billy might remember this from way back. My wagering experience is far less than, than Billy's, but there was one Super Bowl. I don't have any idea really how this happened, but somebody was offering just even money on, would there be a safety in the Super Bowl? And of course I bet no, and of course there wasn't a step, but that was like the easiest bet I've probably ever seen because, you know, the odds, as you guys have noted, are something like nine to one or 10 to one that, uh, that a safety is going to happen. So why they were offering even money, I have no idea, but I was happy to see it, you know, and yeah. I think the moral of that story is the way I've always thought about prop bets is you just kind of scour them and look for those weird opportunities to, to find some value. Well, absolutely. And that's another thing when you're talking about gambling on sports, there are uh, value plays are tremendous and that value is incredible. And you're mm -hmm. not always going to win that value, but you always have to take it because yeah. you're looking over the long haul, how that value is going to pan out. I had a prop bet story. I forget what Super Bowl it was, but they had the time limit on the anthem. And now mm -hmm. normally you can't get a lot of money on something like that. You might be out about a hundred bucks or 200 or whatever yeah. it is. My one buddy was at the Super Bowl or a friend of his was at the Super Bowl and he was privy to the, the young lady who was singing the anthem doing her warmups, like not before the game, uh -huh. but her practice beforehand. He said, she's been over that total almost every time. So <laughs> I bet over the total and she went over by about eight seconds and I won a couple hundred dollars on that. That's so nice. That, that inside <laughs> info. Yeah. Insider trading. Yes. We'll come back. I know you've got some trivia you want to throw out there too. So we'll. Yes. I have one that's timely kind of like Kev about the, that has something to do with the Super Bowl and well. Yeah. Well, do you want to ask it now or you yeah, want to I'll ask it now and give you time to think about it while we talk. Uh, talk Perfect. Okay. So Joe Burrow has a chance this weekend to be the third quarterback ever to win a national title and oh. a Super Bowl. Can you name the other two? Yeah, I think I've seen this actually recently. Cheater. I know one. <laughs> well, hey, but he's also the first one ever to get a Heisman and a national Heisman. championship and a Super Bowl. No one's ever done that before. Really? Yep. Yeah. That, that's That would be a first. If so, he wins. If he yeah. wins, yeah. Yes. Okay. And he'll do it in a span of three years, which is like incredible. Since, well, you look at that, that's something I, that I was going to touch on before we were talking about Tomlin. And even with Harbaugh, those guys have a lot of work ahead of them because if Cincinnati keeps making the right moves, they are going to be really hard to beat over the next decade in this division. Really hard mm -hmm. to beat. Well, listen, we're going to start breaking down this game a little bit. Before we get into the matchup itself and these two 
specific teams. Billy, I thought we should ask you just kind of general thoughts or, or pointers or suggestions as far as betting on the Super Bowl, because this is the the game where you have a lot of people coming out of the woodwork who don't normally bet on things. And this is the game they're going to jump in. Like just what general advice do you have? Well, I mean, it's not like horse racing. So the more people that bet on the game, it's not a an advantage. Um, obviously, gambling has changed over the years. And now with all the information available with high profile, the Super Bowl is the, the gambling line is going to be perfect. You're not going to find any edge on the gambling line one way or the other. It's kind mm-hmm. of more where do you see the matchups? What do you think? Who has had? A lot of times in the Super Bowl, one of the things I look at, and it's failed me a few times, but more time, more often than not, it helps me. Who had the tougher road to get there? Who who beat the better teams? Who maybe got a monkey off their back that they have that they've had on for a while and shows that they've stepped up to that next level and are ready to go? That that's that's one of the major things. As far as if you don't have a feel on the game. Or if you or if you do have a feel on the game, a slight feel, you can you can sort of bet your prop bets the way you think the game will go. Mm-hmm. So for instance, if you think mm-hmm. Cincinnati's going to win the game, you're going to think that. I mean, however you see it playing out in your head, maybe you think they have to outscore the Rams so you can take over in some of their receivers' yardage or over in Mixon's rushing yards and kind of hedge your bets on the game that way. So that's kind of what I what I like. I like to play around with the Super Bowl. It's usually not a huge play for me. I didn't have any plays in the championship games. I, I just wanted to watch the games. I didn't love anything in either one of them. But this year in the Super Bowl, I do have a strong play on one of the sides. So. Mm-hmm. Well, we can. Uh, why don't we start talking about it then? I mean, you got uh, we can look at like both both teams, you know, Cincinnati, L.A., just kind of in general. What do you uh Oh, and LA has a home field advantage. I mean, does that factor into your calculus at all? Not at all. Not especially because it's LA. Last week, San Francisco had 65% of the fans in the stands, which amazes me because I've talked to a few people about this. I know so many bandwagon people. Why Mm -hmm. does LA, the Rams this year, not have the bandwagon fans? Where are they? Mm -hmm. Because basically you'd think if you lived out there, you'd want to get out to a game, see your hometown team, but it just doesn't seem to work that way for them. And with the Super Bowl in general, even though they are at home, you know, half the tickets get allocated to Cincinnati, which I assume since they haven't been in a Super Bowl since what, 88, 86, something like that, uh, they'll probably travel very well. So I would say, I would think the home field advantage is nothing. Hmm. I, I totally agree with that. Let's talk Super Bowl. Do it. Yeah, what do you got? So before this weekend's games on my website that I that I gamble on, they had predetermined lines for each of the potential Super Bowl matchups. Every line was either three or three and a half at the time. I looked at them, and the one matchup that I bet on was this matchup. And I love it. I love this matchup. I took I am bucking the six and oh trend. And I am taking the Rams. I already took the Rams minus three and a half. That line has gone to four and a half since I bet it. I absolutely love the Rams in this matchup. I think it's a horrible matchup for Cincinnati. First talking about the Rams on the defensive side of the ball, that this defensive line and the defense in general is going to be the best Cincinnati seen all year. Mm -hmm. 
They gave up nine sacks to Tennessee. They only gave up one to Kansas City, which was surprising. But if you guys remember, Burrow made some miraculous plays to get out of trouble and run the ball. Crucial plays at crucial times. And he scares me because he's one hell of a quarterback. And he's going to be even Mm -hmm. better and better. But you have Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller, the rest of that line. They're going to get pressure with four or five guys. I would assume they're going to double team Jamar Chase. They're going to put Jalen Ramsey on uh, Higgins. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be up to Tyler Boyd and CJ Uzama, assuming he can play in the passing game. So I love the Rams edge on the defensive side of the ball. Back to what I talked about before. I think the Rams had the tougher road to hoe to get to the Super Bowl. They defeated Arizona, who was a quality team, but they were young and weren't ready. They crushed them. I think it was 34 to 11. Mm-hmm. Then they played Tampa Bay, who Grant at Tampa Bay, who granted was banged up. And that's why the Rams were my best pick that week. But they, they took care of business despite mistakes, turning the ball over. They gave Brady every opportunity to pull out a miracle win. He couldn't do it. And then they beat San Francisco, who's a team who had beaten them six straight games. It's another division game. San Francisco is gritty. They're tough. They run the ball. They play physical. And the Rams were able to get out of there with a win. And they really could have won that game by more. They could have lost the game too. But Cooper Cup dropped what could have been a short touchdown pass, I think, on the one slant. And uh, Stafford threw a pick in the end zone. Gay missed a field goal before the half, which resulted in a San Francisco field goal. So I love that road to the Super Bowl. Whereas Cincinnati, even in beating Kansas City, which was an incredible feat and it showed their patience. I love their coach. But they basically sat, they didn't win the game as much as they sat back and let Kansas City lose it. I want to give their defense credit for holding Mahomes to 83 passing yards in the second half. But Kansas City, right before halftime, had a chance to kick a field goal. They screwed that up. Um, They got no points there. The second half, they scored three total points. I will give Cincinnati's defense some credit, but I think it was Kansas City's impatience overall. I think Cincinnati beat the Raiders but the Raiders moved up and down the field on them. They beat Tennessee, I think, because Tennessee abandoned the run. And, and they beat Kansas City. They were down 21-3, to three and they came back. If they get down to this Rams team, they're not going to come back. The Rams are physical. On the offensive side of the ball, they can run the ball, even though that's not their preferred method for moving the ball. They'll use Cam Akers. He's a hard-nosed, tough runner. Sony Michelle's a good third-down runner. Matthew Stafford is an excellent quarterback who's had a great year. This is his opportunity. And I think Joe Burrow needs another year or two under his belt. How much, um, do, you, how much do you think it factors in that, um, you know, Zach Taylor was basically a, a protege or a disciple of the uh, McVay system. In other words, they know each other pretty well and they kind of run the same offenses. So maybe that helps even the playing field a little bit. Well, I think it would help both of them. And, and I think in general, you're, you're probably right in, the, in, that, in that regard. However, I think if you look at I – think, I think if you compare the offenses to offense, they're very similar. You know, Burrow's a great quarterback already, and he, he's not putting up the kind of numbers yet that he's going to. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. it's Baltimore, but in the playoffs, he's done what he's needed to do. He's managed the game. He's made big plays. The Rams offense, Stafford's been fantastic. Beckham 
Van Jefferson, and of course, Cooper Cup. I don't know what Higby's status is yet for the game. That'll be something to watch. But I think when you look at the defensive side of the ball is where that kind of changes. The Rams defense against Cincinnati's offense is going to be an all-out war. They gave Brady zero time to throw the ball. He almost couldn't throw the ball more than 10 yards down the field for most of the game. Yeah. I think Burrow's going to look and be looking at the same thing. He's more mobile than Brady is, so he might be able to sneak through and make a play or two, but I think he's going to be in trouble. Their secondary is phenomenal, especially with Jalen Ramsey. I mean, yeah. he's amazing, and he can lock down anybody. He, he probably will lock down T. Higgins, I think, and they'll double chase. And on the other side of the ball, Cincinnati's defense is average at best, and they're facing what I think is the most complete team they've played. I mean, Kansas average. City. Average, but surprisingly scrappy, right? I mean, they just step up when they need to. Yeah, hundred percent. They've done that in these playoffs every time, and they've gotten the big play. Now, the one thing that scares me about how much I love the Rams is what we talked about. Cincinnati just sits there and waits. They don't panic. They were down twenty-one to three or twenty-one ten at halftime. They didn't panic. They were like, "All right, we're going to play our game, and we're going to wait for you to make the mistake." And Mahomes made it. And they tied it, and then it was tight, whatever. I think in this case, they could probably do the same thing, and I worry about Stafford with that. But the Rams are just such – as good as Kansas City is, they're not physical. They're not as physical as the Rams, offensively especially. The Rams can do it any which way you want. They, they will run the ball with Akers. They'll run the ball with Michelle, and they'll throw play action off of that. I just don't see Cincinnati's defense keeping the game in check. I think yeah. if the Rams make some mistakes, it could be a seven-point game, like 27-20. But if they play a solid game and McVay coaches a good game, 34-13 Rams. Okay, wow. All right, that, that's great, Billy. That's wonderful. But you have forgotten so many elements of this game. Okay. <laughs> First and foremost is that Joe Burrow is the greatest player in the universe. <laughs> wow. And as we have talked constantly he has this magical aura he's the second coming of joe montana that the problem we have with analyzing this game billy is we've been saying the same things you just said about this game for weeks Hmm. and the bengals keep surprising us joe burrow keeps finding a way the defense as kev mentioned you know surprisingly scrappy they seem to have a, a nose for the the moment you know, they get turnovers when they need them. They get sacks when they need them. So what's the difference here that's going to stop Cincinnati from rising up and having one of those moments? You know, they could fall behind 20 to 3, 20 to 7, and then they come back in the second half and pull it out. Well, I, I mean, you know, obviously that could happen, and it did happen against Kansas City. And I think the only reason that it did happen against Kansas City was their lack of patience. With Cincinnati, I think in all honesty, if you look at it, it's not so much that they're making, and they are making plays to win the game. I don't want to downplay what they've done, but they are not, they're the, their opponents. They're just kind of lying in wait and letting their opponents lose the game. Mahomes played his worst half of football since he played Cincinnati before. And maybe you could argue that that's because Cincinnati's defense is that good, but statistically it really hasn't been there all year. And they were playing, I think this is the most physical team they'll play. Tennessee was a physical team, but they didn't complete it. 
They, they had them on the run. They were running it down their throat. And then they have Tannehill play fake and throw and he throw a pick. He threw three interceptions, I think. I think Stafford might throw one, but I don't think he's going to throw three. And I think he's going to rise to the moment. I think Burrow needs another year or two. He's just not quite there yet. Now, having said that, what, uh, what I told Kev is anytime you bet a game, I look at it like this. If they play 10 times, how many times do I think it would go one way or the other? I think the Rams won seven and a half times if they play mm-hmm. 10, whether yeah, it's yeah. at Cincinnati or at LA or at a neutral site. And I just think they're ready. McVay's been there before. Uh, Zach Taylor has not. Stafford has not, but he's been in the league for a long time. Joe Burrows, what's it, a second year? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, second year. Uh, I mean, it's amazing what he's done and he's going to be here for a long time. But I think, uh, I think Cincinnati's, they've had a, a nice run. They had a good run. I think their run ends. Is this is this a three, four, or five star play for you? Four, four to four. four. Okay. I I don't usually give half stars out, but I'm probably going to bet it. I already have it for a nickel at uh, minus three and a half. I may take a little more at minus uh, four and a half. We'll you think see. it'll keep going to like five? I think it's going to settle where it is. It may go to five, but it's not going to go much higher than that. I've talked to people around here, and some people I've talked to like Cincinnati. Some people like the Rams. Um, I will say this. The guy that I pay for on the picks, uh, he he has a five-star on the Rams. So oh, wow. he loves him. And he's good. His five stars are like 20 and seven this year, NFL and college. So Tremendous. Yeah. So you started to touch on this. I, I just want to see if you can kind of build on, on the thinking here a little bit because Kevin and I have talked a lot over the last, you know, two months since we've been doing this about kind of the psychology of the game and motivation. And it, it seems like sometimes that becomes a big factor and other times we're just totally off base. It's like, you can't <laughs> really read into the hearts and minds of what these guys are thinking, yeah. but you did start to mention, you know, for Cincinnati, obviously this is their first rodeo in the Super Bowl for this generation. The Rams were just there a couple of years ago and, you know, got shellacked and looked horrible. And, you know, they're, they're going to be highly motivated that, a lot of those players and the coaching staff were part of that. So they want retribution. The Bengals, is there a little bit of thinking like it's all gravy at this point, but you know, they, they might be just a little satisfied having come this far. I mean, they have had such a great run. So do you think, is there any juice in that in terms of your, your thinking about betting on it or the line, or is that all just, it's not a factor? Not a factor. They're not in the Super Bowl because, look, it, these guys, their whole lives have been about competing, winning, perfection, uh, practice. They're not going to go into the Super Bowl and think we're satisfied just to get here. I think more than that is the the moment Joe Burrow has shown himself to to live up to big moments in big games, but it's a tough moment for him. His coach who I love, I, I think he's done a great job, but it's a big moment for him. McVay's been there. He had a rough time his first go around against Belichick's defense. He's got a better quarterback this time. He's got a worse defense. He's an offensive guy. I think it's just more about the matchups, the, you know, how, how these teams are going to match up since he's offense versus the Rams defense, since he's defense versus the Rams offense, special teams, how that's all going to play out. I think that's it. Motivation should not be a factor either way. These guys will all be highly motivated to play. 
and again, like years and years ago, you, you know, you'll hear people say, oh, this game's fixed or how do they lose to this team? Or when you look at the NFL, the, the talent level between these teams is so minute or, or the talent disparity yeah. between mm-hmm. these teams is so minute mm-hmm. from the best team to the worst team in the league. So, you know, Buffalo can have a letdown in the regular season and lose nine to six to Jacksonville. Everything doesn't go their way, uh, whatever. But in the playoffs, for the most part, it, it, talent wins out. And, it, and, and talent and coaching and execution wins out. And that's what I look for. I have a question for both of you guys. What what Super Bowl, I'm thinking about, what Super Bowl this one is going to look most like? In other words, you know, when it's all said and done, this Super Bowl is going to match up similarly to some other Super Bowl in the past. Do you have any ideas? I was thinking, just the way Billy's been talking and the way I've been thinking, I'm thinking the, the 49ers and Chargers game from, you know, <laughs> way back when, when they just rolled. And everybody thought, oh, the Chargers could be pretty good. And I think the Bengals might be in for some kind of shellacking like that <clears throat> where everything just goes wrong for them and it just just snowballs. But any, any well, thoughts? I, along I, can't, I can't remember any farther back than last year. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I can't even remember last year either. But, but we've, we've talked a bit about, you know, Chiefs, Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. and how, you know, when your offensive line has holes – that can disrupt whatever else it is you're trying to do. And so, you know, I think we saw Tampa Bay capitalize on that last year with a team that almost everybody seemed to think was just going to dominate in that game. But when your offensive line is weak, Mahomes couldn't do what he wanted to do. The offense was in disarray and Tampa Bay, you know, it was really the defense that, that dominated that game. And maybe this is, you know, this is in that same mold. I mean, I'm not throwing in the towel on Burrow just yet, Billy. You haven't sold me completely. And me and Kev are going to give our picks on this game next week, and I'm still thinking about it. But um, but the Rams' defensive line definitely worries me because I do think that's a clear advantage. And uh, and it could be just a total – it could be total domination. You know, if if the Bengals' offensive line can't slow down the Rams' defensive line – you know, that's a wrap. Well, I think I, th- this is one of the ways I look at gambling on this game. If you like Cincinnati mm-hmm. or say, say I think since the one way I think Cincinnati can win is if Joe Mixon goes nuts because the Rams have had some trouble stopping the run. They really geared up for it against San Francisco, but they really need to gear up for it again against Cincy because I think since he's going to look at that game film and say, in order to win these games, even in the Tampa Bay game, Leonard Fournette, first couple runs, 10 yards, eight yards. But the Rams ended up slowing them down eventually. Um, so I think Cincinnati has to run the ball. So I would say if the Rams are going to – if you like Cincy, but you're afraid to bet them, bet over in Mixon's rushing yards, under in Burrow's passing yards. I think – back to Kev's question about the Super Bowl, I'm thinking about it. The, the 49ers-Chargers game was an interesting one. I believe it was the highest-scoring Super Bowl ever. Um, yeah, that could be. Yeah, I think it was 49-26. So it was like uh, 75 points. I think that, that was right, yeah. And I, I think that game is interesting. I can't think of a Super Bowl that I would equate this one to, but I agree with you in principle. I think if the Rams play a solid game, mm-hmm. which we know they're capable of not doing, I mean, they, Stafford can throw stupid interceptions. They can do uh, acres, fumbles, whatever. 
if they play a solid game, I think Cincinnati's going to have a real hard time staying in it. And they keep their foot on the gas. I think Cincy's going to have a long day ahead of them. If they don't, I still think they can pull out the win. But for Cincy to win this game, I think Mixon's got to rush for triple figures. He's got to go over 100 yards. There you go. Yeah, we got a little bit of trivia um, business to wrap up. So there was a question about, I think it was national championship yeah. winners and then going on to win the Super Bowl. And uh, Kev, what were you uh, what were you thinking there? Yeah, I had Montana for sure. That's correct. Wait, look, remind me what the exact question was. It was Heisman and Super Bowl? No, it was they won a national championship oh. and Super Bowl. So Montana won the national title in 77 with Notre Dame. They beat uh, – I was just looking this up today. They beat – I think it was Texas, 38 to 10. They were number five. Texas was number one. Interestingly enough, Alabama was number three, and they beat the crap out of somebody 35 to six, but Notre Dame still jumped them because they beat the number one team so badly. I miss those good old days of college voting. Me too. Well, <laughs> you look at the bowl system now, it's falling apart. They've got to do something. I agree. I, I think yeah. they need to do play a large. Billy's like my brother from another mother here. Hey, you guys should have a podcast. <laughs> we think alike man geez that's crazy well yeah, i'm gonna throw out jim plunkett <laughs> he, he won the heisman and he won the super bowl but he did not win a national hey, title. I, I answered the wrong question shoot yes maybe you asked the wrong question see that's the problem well there's more i think there's four that have won the heisman in the super bowl and you guys have plunkett and is that all joe you namath joe namath no. is the correct answer to to the, the other national one. championship and the Super Bowl. Yes. Okay. So nice. that's the two, Namath and Montana. All right. Way back. Nice. All right. We All do right. love our trivia. Well, oh, what yeah. else we got to talk about, fellas? I don't know, but I like uh, having Billy on as a guest. We need to uh, make this a uh, something that keeps happening. I, yeah, feel like I mean, I'm, feel like I'm about to get fired from this podcast. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> all right. Well, should we put a bow on this? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think so. Uh, Rams 34. My final prediction, Rams 34, Cincinnati 17. All right. We're going to give everybody your address and they can write you letters. I'll give you my old one. Thank you. <laughs>